Everybody say mind games. And we've covered a lot of material the first two weeks, and I want to encourage you to go back and listen. And I want to go a different direction today that I feel like God will help you. And when I'm getting close to the end of this message, there's some things I want to share with you today that I need you to pay close attention to, okay? So uh, Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, this is a story of Jesus uh, with his beginning his ministry and picking disciples. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 7 in the New Living Translation says this, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Verse four, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we, we worked hard all last night before you got here. We worked pretty hard And we didn't catch anything. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon other boats, and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. Everybody say mind games. This last week, I went to um, a cabin for about three to four days to spend some time alone in prayer that my mentors have asked me to make sure that I prioritize moments with God alone because sometimes in the ministry, you just get bogged down with the work and the in and out. And when you just go to prayer with no distractions, and it just kind of lifts you above the clutter. And so I, I, I want to tell you today that I prioritize those things because I would want a pastor that prioritizes those things. And I don't say that to impress you. I just want you to know that I, I want not only me, but I want the staff and the pastors to prioritize their prayer time and their worship time and their reading time. So I took some days away this last week and was at a cabin on Smith Lake um, in Alabama. And so while I'm there, the person who owns the cabin informed me there's no internet service, there's no cell phone service, and let me tell you something, they weren't lying. The longer I was there, you know, you can only pray for so long, and you're like, Lord, can I take a break? (laughs) So I uh, then just began to take some time, went on the kayak, and if you've ever been to Smith Lake, it's a beautiful place, and as they say, everybody who owns a house on the lake will let you know, this is the cleanest lake in the history of humanity. Jesus walked on this lake one time, or whatever they say. It's a beautiful lake. And so I'm out there on the kayak, and, and I see a fishing pole while I'm there. Now, I don't consider myself a fisherman. I like hunting, but, you know, fishing is probably something I need to get more into now that I live in Mississippi. And, and so many of you have told me that you want me to go fishing with you after this story. You probably will never invite me. But I go out there and I see he has a little bit of uh, some bait on there. Let me cast this, let me cast this uh, line. (laughs) 
So I cast it out there. I begin to reel it in. No bite. Normal. Cast the line again. Reel it in. Nothing. Still normal. I'm sure you don't catch fish every time you throw bait. But, or they would just call it catching. But they call it fishing, so I cast again. And I'm not just, I'm not making this up. I bet it was about 50 casts. And I'm like, okay, we got to figure something out. Because now I'm, I'm getting interested. I know me and God are supposed to be spending some time together, but I'm now interested in fishing. So I call a friend who I know fishes Smith Lake. And I had to walk 100,000 miles from the house to get phone service. And I'm out there, and I'm explaining to him the situation, the bait, the reel, the time of day, everything. He goes, okay, buddy, this is what you need. You need to get this kind of bait, you need to get, and you need to go out this time. You need to do it like this. He explained. I'm literally like with piece of paper and pen like, okay, can you say that one more time? I uh, go to the gas station and I buy the bait, okay? I go to the gas station and I buy a different set of hooks. And I'm now invested into catching fish. I haven't read my Bible in 14 hours now at this point. And I go, I'm watching the clock. He said, you go out around this time, get, a, get close to the edge. And I'm doing everything he says. And I go out there and I'm fishing. And I'm getting no fish. I'm getting the opposite of fish. No fish. And after a while, I was like, you know what? I'm going to call this guy. He didn't live far up the road. And I said, hey, man, why don't you just come down here? Why don't you come down here and, and you just help me understand? I'm just trying to catch some fish on Smith Lake. He goes, okay, buddy, I'll be there in a little while. So he comes later that evening. He's like, bro, this is, you're going to catch, and he's from Alabama. You know, people from Alabama, they say some stuff, and I'm not too sure it's true. But they, if you're from Alabama, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. All my in-laws are from Alabama, and I don't understand things. But I, we, he shows up. He's like, buddy, let me tell you, there's a, or however he talks, there's fish in here. And all right. So he casts out. He's like, bro, we're going to get one right now. He strings that fish up or that bait real good. He throws it out. Nothing. Oh, yeah, this, is, this is how it works. <laughs> Nothing. And he fished for like an hour. Never caught nothing. At one point, I'm not making this up, at the shoreline, there was probably 15 fish just looking at me. And I'm not making, I hate to even tell you that I thought this. I thought if I had my gun, I'd blow every one of your heads off right <laughs> But it's, I'm not making that up. If I had one, we would have been eating fish that night. It would have been sushi, but it had been something. It's so frustrating that after so long in the investment financially, my time, I mean, this sermon could have probably been 10 times better if I studied more than fished this week. <laughs> But I fished, and I got so frustrated because I worked all day. I caught nothing but a sunburn on my shoulders. And I didn't get any fish. I didn't get any crappie, no bluegill, no bass, no catfish, no guppies. I saw nothing. I worked very difficult. I worked very tirelessly to just try to catch a fish. And I know I'm not all by myself. Is there anybody who has fished all night, it feels like, and you've caught nothing? 
Thank you for the hands. Some of you are looking at me like, oh, this Yankee don't know what he's doing. In this story, Peter, which his name is Simon in the story, Simon Peter, before his name is changed, is a businessman. He is a, he is not just a fisherman that like me, trying to clear his head and has a little thing of bait, just trying to have some time to relax and refresh. No, this is a business man. He has partners with John and James. He's, he has uh, employees. He's got insurance. He's got taxes. He, he's a business man, and he's been doing this his whole life because in that time, you would inherit the the occupation of your father. You would follow in the footsteps. So he's been on fishing boats his entire life. And so the Bible lets us know that this businessman who, if he doesn't catch fish, he doesn't eat. And his employees don't get paid. And his distributors don't get fish. And there's just a lot of complication when the business is not working. And so he fishes all night and the scripture lets us know that he has caught Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Hear me today that sometimes things don't always go according to plan. Things don't always go according to plan. And we're talking about about mind games today that when things don't go according to plan, this is when mind games can really start kicking in. This is when you start really looking and you're squeezing that stress brain and you're wondering, I've worked all night. I've questioned myself all through this season. I, I, I have done all that I know to do. I've sat with a lot of people in, in the history of just being in church life. Great people, wonderful people who will tell you, I wish I didn't do that. I wish things didn't turn out this way. If only we would have made it work. If only I would have been home on time. Maybe that wouldn't have happened in our family. Or, or, or just things, if I never did this, I'm telling you, it is so common to sit with people as a pastor who are dealing with things that did not go the way they expected. Am I talking to anybody? Have you ever looked at your life and thought this could have just been Different. This didn't turn out the way I've expected. So Peter, Simon Peter's out fishing all night, and he's throwing the net for hours, cast after cast, on Smith Lake, just casting over and over and catching nothing. Honey, if I can't fish with a pole, you know I ain't fishing with this. That you. Casting over and over, and the net just keeps coming up empty. Simon Peter, over time, over hours of work, hours of stress, hours of physical labor, has thrown the net so many times through the evening and through the night hours. His employees are tired, they're hungry, they're exhausted, and no doubt, mind games are coming in. How am I gonna pay for this? How am I gonna do this? How are we gonna make ends meet? How are we gonna pay the bills? How are we gonna cover the overhead? All the pressure, all the questions. Somebody say mind games. I've sat with people who have given their best shot at marriage, and they believed 
And they thought after they get married, then it would fix things. I'm just come to tell you something that marriage doesn't, just getting married doesn't fix problems between two people. Can I get a yes? And but you think, you know, you, you, okay, our first year of marriage, I thought if I just did this, then he would be this. But now you're looking and you're seeing empty nets and you're wondering, how did we get here? So you think it will get better in year two and year three and you think he'll get over his anger or you think she'll stop doing this or, and, and, and just keep coming up empty. Business owners who invested life savings and took the risk and got the loan and did everything they knew to do still can come up with no profit and, and lost the business and the respect of friends and family and, and, and doesn't have an income. And by talking to anybody who knows what it's like to throw the net and still come up empty. There are people that have given church a try. They've thrown the net. They try to trust God. They try, but over time, the grandma still passed away. They believed a healing for and comes up empty. There's people who have tried to make things work. People who have tried to have faith, tried to believe, tried to trust a pastor. And over time, there's been church hurt and anger and bitterness. Am I talking to any real people in vibrant church this morning? You've given God a shot. You've given church a shot. You've given faith a shot. You took the step of faith, but you fell and you messed up and you said, I'm never gonna do it again. Six weeks later, here you are again with empty hope and promises and failure. I'm talking to Simon Peter in the room. When you are looking at empty nets, what do you think? When you're looking at empty nets, empty, an empty heart, an empty relationship, you're running on empty, you're empty-handed, you're coming up short. Let, let me say this, and this is really just a, a, pair of, this, a side thought I want to give you today, is that there are some things empty nets teach you that full nets can't. There are some things that failure teaches us that success cannot teach us. There are some things, I remember I heard a quote just the other day that uh, Bill Gates said that success is a lousy teacher. That sometimes empty nets will teach you. Empty nets will guide you. Empty nets will, will help you be a better wife. Can I get an amen? Uh, okay, it was a weak amen. Like, no, no, pastor. <laughs> empty nets will help you be a better husband or a better father. It is through the failures that we experience that somehow seem to nurture us to be a better person, make better decisions, make better choices, because sometimes failure is something we use to move forward. Can I get a witness? You've put the effort into it and you got nothing back. And it's not like you haven't tried. It's not like you didn't go to counseling. I mean, it's not like you didn't trust God with your finances. It's not like you didn't try and, and didn't put effort in. It's not like you didn't believe and it's not like you didn't try to have family nights. It's not like you didn't try. You're just on Smith Lake casting the cast line thing. Over and over, you're buying the bait. You think you're making all the right moves. You're watching the time of day. 
you're doing everything you know to do, but at some point you're still looking at, you know, I thought my faith would be much more fulfilling than this. Come on, I don't know if there's any real people at Vibrant today, but, but if you were honest on a Sunday morning, you would say, you know what? I've been, I've been following God for a long time. I actually thought it'd be different than this. I thought God would have protected me from that. I, I didn't expect my husband to die so young. I didn't expect my family to experience so many setbacks. Like, what do I do with empty, with empty nets? I feel like I'm talking to somebody who's on Smith Lake, wondering, working long hours, becoming more and more frustrated. How do I put this much effort into something and get no return? There's a scripture in the Bible in Proverbs chapter 13 that says, hope deferred. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. What is that verse saying? It's saying disappointment makes the heart sick. And we talked about in week one that if the enemy can get to your head, he can get to your heart. And if he can get to your heart, he can get to your life because your life is a reflection of your heart. Are you still with me? Your life is a reflection of your heart as a man thinks in his heart heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the man speaketh. Jesus said where the heart is, that's where the treasure is. The heart is where the Bible says protect it with everything you got because from it flows the direction of your life in Proverbs chapter 4. But when your heart is sick, hear me today, your life is sick. When you've experienced so much disappointment, so many letdowns, so many disturbances, so many broken moments, that at some point, your life feels sick, your faith feels sick and anemic, your joy is sick, it's, it's weakened, it's not there anymore. You used to worship, but over time, your worship's gotten sick because somewhere along the way, your heart has become sick because disappointment has become real. Am I talking to anybody? Life and work and finances and the mind games just start. Who do you think you are, Pastor Ethan? You just, you shouldn't, you know, I've had people say, you know, crazy stuff. You, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be a pastor. And I'm like, you're right. That's why it's good that if God says yes, we just say yes and do what God called us to do. And I, let me just say this isn't nobody in this room qualified to do what God's called you to do. I'm thankful that even though in the eyes of people, but hear me, sometimes you'll hear those things in your head and you're like, man, this, I can get done preaching and be like, man, that was the worst sermon I've ever preached in my life. And the mind games kick in. How many of you parents can relate? You put your kids to bed. Well, I'm in a little parent season. I got little kids at home. They drive me crazy. <laughs> I do. I'm like, man, I wish my net was empty at home. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I love my kids. I kind of like them. But how many of you parents will be honest? And I don't know if this changes as we get older. I'm only talking from my experience right now. I got a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And, and look at me. When they go to bed at night, you know how many times I, I pull the net up and I'm like, did I spend enough time with them today? Like, did I really listen to Judah? He's talking so much. He, 
that I, was I really a good father? And then all of a sudden you're like, you're a failure. Your dad was a way better father than you are. You're too distracted. You're too occupied. You're too this. You're too, and I'm just empty. You know what I'm saying? Pull up the net and you're like, you know, everybody else, you know, other people who are not even as good at me at work are getting raises and getting identified, getting the corner office. And, and then there's me. I've worked hard. 10 years, just empty nets. And it's the mind games of disappointment. The mind games begin to kick in. Things begin to go through your heart and mind that you're a failure, that you're no good, that if anybody really loved you, if you really were a good husband or a good wife or a good Christian, this, this wouldn't be the reality. But I've come to tell you today, sometimes, sometimes things don't go according to plan. Sometimes nets do come up empty. And you can be a person of faith and you can love God and love that Bible, but let me tell you something. There will still be times that things come out of that water and you thought, I would have thought that this is not the way. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. It rains on black folk and white folk. It rains on poor folk and rich folk. Everybody's gonna have some days where things just didn't go according to plan. I don't wanna embarrass them, but Israel, our bass player, I don't know if I should even say this, but it's too late now, I've gone too far. <laughs> our bass player, a groovy brother back here, I love Israel, man, he's a killer on the bass. Things don't always go according to plan. That this weekend, his girlfriend was, because he's from Nigeria, his girlfriend was coming from Nigeria, they're gonna get married, visa was denied. Imagine, he didn't plan that. It's not what he wants. It's not what he expected. Yesterday, I'm literally in my office. My phone rings. I pick up my phone. Or I missed the call. I called them back. My father just passed away. They were working on him when I first called you. Just passed away. Things don't always go according to plan. I'm sure I could go row to row and talk to husbands and wives that have the feeling, men and women and children, that feel like I've pulled up some empty nets. And here's the tough thing is that you almost want to quit. Luke chapter 5, verse 4, it goes on to say that when Jesus was finished speaking, he said to Simon, go out where it's deeper. He said, go out where it's deeper let down your nets and catch some fish. Now, now get in the mind of Peter for a minute. Peter is a lifetime fisherman. Jesus is a carpenter. Just so you know, Jesus was a, an itinerary preacher, traveled the side of the country, preaching the kingdom of God, and made tables and chairs. That's what Jesus did. There's no indication that Jesus was a fisherman. Peter hears Jesus tell him, go out into the deep now that you fished all night. In fact, in the Sea of Galilee, you fished at night. You didn't fish in the day, and you, you fished in the shallow end. You didn't fish in the deep end. Jesus is telling him to do something that doesn't even make sense to a real fisherman. Like, why would you even tell me to do something like that? In verse 5, he says, listen, we worked hard last night and didn't catch a thing. We worked hard last night and didn't catch a thing, period. I want you to look at that moment. Look at that period for a moment. 
Look for just a second on the screen, that period, that moment where they have made the decision. He said, I have fished all night and we didn't catch nothing, period. This right here is where the enemy wants us to go to. He wants us to find the end of the sentence. He wants us to come to this moment where I have prayed for my marriage and it didn't, we didn't catch anything, period. We believe that God could have used us, but period. We thought we had a good relationship. We thought the business was going to work. We thought the kids were going to be safe. We thought things were going to work out. We didn't know we were going to experience this grief. We've worked all night and we caught nothing, period. End of sentence. I have watched thousands of people. I'm telling you, I've met thousands of people. I'm telling you, hear me. Many people stop right there. That's the end of their story. I gave it a shot, the net was empty, and nothing came to pass. This is a huge moment for Peter, an enormous moment in his life that he could have stopped at that period when Jesus says, go out into deep water, throw a net, try again. He could have stopped right then. This huge moment for him and his crew and his business, he could have walked away. He could have laughed at Jesus. He could have ignored him. He could have disregarded. He could have said, do you know my experience? Do you know what I've been through? Do you know what I've been through? Do you know what I've been frustrated with and the disappointment I have experienced? Do you really know what you're talking about, Jesus? And on the other side of this period is a game-changing sentence. We're talking about mind games today. At the other end of this sentence, there's another sentence that doesn't end the story. Hear me today. He says, we fished all night in verse five, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. Listen to me. I got so much more to preach. I got not enough time to do it. I need you to hear me today that you're going to have to come to the conclusion that you know what you've experienced. You know what you have felt. You know what empty nets feel like. But the King James Version says it like this. Nevertheless, at your word, I will do what you say, even if I don't feel like doing what you say. Oh, I'm not, I'm not talking to anybody. He goes, if you just say something, I'll walk by faith of what you say and not about how I feel, what I've been through. I want you to hear me today. Your best life is not done through feeling. It's done through acts of faith. If there's a sentence I need you to catch, it's this one right here. Some of the best decisions you can make in your life will be decisions you don't feel like making. We're talking about mind games, the feeling of wanting to quit, the discouragement of wanting to just give up, the, the feeling of just wanting to throw in the towel. And I've come to tell you today, in the name of Jesus, at his word, if he says that you need to forgive him, honey, forgive him. If God says to go back to church, go back to church. If God says to tithe, you tithe. I don't care what your experience tells you. It doesn't matter what you felt in your life. It doesn't matter about the end. If God's word says cast again, baby, it's time to cast again. I wish I had people that amen a little bit in Mississippi today. Am I talking to anybody? To believe again, to pray again, to have faith again. It may feel like it's over. When you want to give up, 
You want to stop at the period and you want to worry and feel anxiety. And listen to me, you may never see the miraculous hand of God if you stop at that period. I know you go to church. I know you got church clothes. I know you impress church people. But hear me today. Some miracles don't happen until you change your mind. What they were saying to Jesus, what they were saying to Jesus was this. If I'll do it. I may not want to do it. I'm a fisherman just so you know. But if you say to throw down the net, carpenter, it don't make no sense to what you're telling me to do. I don't feel like doing it. We're tired, we've worked all night. We are, we're exhausted, our back hurts, our feet hurt, our hands hurt, our fish, we are, we're wiping down nets, we got no fish. And I want you to hear me today that at the end of the day, you have to understand that you've got to, be, got to be willing to make adjustments in your life based on what he says, not how you feel. I don't think we can make miracles happen, but we can make room in our minds for them. We can create paths of possibilities. And mind games can get in there and tell you that it's over. Mind games can make you look at nets. Mind games can bring you to points where you're just like, you know what? Empty nets can make you never want to trust again. But I need you to hear me today. If there's something I want you to just pull from your spirit today is this. When the enemy says to throw in the towel, you got to cast out the net. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit. Don't give up. Because at the end of the day, God is looking for somebody with radical faith that will say, you know what? I'm not sure I fully understand what you're asking me to do. I'm not sure I fully grasp. I'm just dealing with things in my mind and you're telling me to do, to walk by faith and not by feelings and not by sight. And you're telling me to go all in with my faith. Can you imagine the miracles you haven't seen because you haven't cast the net? Can you imagine the experiences you could have had in your life if you just said, God, if you have a word on it and you tell me to believe and you tell me to have faith, then I'm going to go all in and I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm going to cast out the neck. Can I get an amen from somebody? One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. So let's not get tired. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. Don't get tired of throwing out the net. Don't get tired of believing. Don't get tired of praying. Don't get tired of coming. Don't get tired of being faithful. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. What if the enemy can't stop the harvest of blessing? He can't stop that because that's God's business. But he can make you tired. And you'll throw in the towel because you're tired. And you'll give up because you're tired. And you won't believe that God can do anything great because you put a period at the end of that sentence. And you said, there's just no way at this point. There's just no way. There's no possibilities. This makes no sense at this point in my life. It makes no sense at this point in the church. It makes no sense at this point in my marriage. It makes no sense at this point in my business. But hear me today, don't throw in the towel. Cast out the net. Believe again. Don't let offense take you down. Don't let offense make you throw in the towel and quit church. 
Don't, don't let offense get the best of you. Cast out the net. Believe in people again. Get that jaded spirit off of you that you can blame everybody else. I don't know why I'm saying this. Maybe this is my own bother right now. Get that jaded spirit off of you that's mad at everybody else when in reality you're mad at you and you're putting it on everybody else. Cast out the net. Have faith again. Trust people again. Love them again. Forgive again. Because hear me today. I believe there's still miracles in the water that are untapped because people are not radical enough to push past that period in that sentence and say, God, I know what I feel like, but if you tell me to throw, I'll throw again. I know what I sense. I know what I've been through. I know how tired I am. But if you say to believe again, if you tell me to charge the mountain one more time, I'll throw that net and I'll believe you and I'll trust you. And the Bible says they had so much fish they had to call partners in to help them put the fish in their boats. Can you imagine you didn't catch one all night? Smith Lake all day. Didn't catch a one. And now you have so many that everybody in the, in the water had to come help you. And the Bible says their nets begin to break and their boats begin to sink because of so much. And I wonder if they had more boats and more nets if they would have emptied that, that lake that day. Because I think you can only get as much as you can receive. Am I talking to anybody? I like this suit jacket. I may wear it again sometime. Look at that. Now listen to me. Now listen close. I need everybody, don't move around. Somebody's kid starts yelling, you can spank it, I don't care. <laughs> just kidding, I'm just kidding. Somebody will email me again. Now listen close, church. I believe there's still miracles in the water. And I need to tell you about a miracle. We have, in the history of 41 years of our church, God has been faithful. God has taken care of us. God has been so good since the foundations of this church with the founding people who began it down on 45, I believe. And through the years, God has been faithful. But I still believe there's fish in the water. And we have received the largest gift financially in the history of the church. I need to tell you about it. I need to give you a little story. Several years back, when we were building this facility, money was borrowed to obviously there was some money paid on this particular facility to have this thing that we're in today along with bathrooms. And there's a lot to this facility in this section. It's, to God be the glory. In addition to that, now this is all prior to my coming, so some of this, you are here for this. So some of what I'm sharing is information for me, experience for you. Outside, that lobby was built or restructured. That was the old auditorium was restructured for $2.5 million, okay? That loan, so we have two notes. We have a 2.5, I've never heard you so quiet in your life. I feel like a Baptist church today. Listen. <laughs> Just kidding. Presbyterian. $2.5 million out there. Somewhere in the $14 million for this. We've paid this note down drastically. This note here. We're somewhere in the $7 million range on this note. Okay? 
I'm just being transparent. I'm very honest. I'm a very open person. Even later this year, we plan on giving you a full report of our finances toward the end of the year, so just so you're alert or aware of those things. But hear me today. $2.5 million, we have two notes. During this season of our church, we have had COVID. We have had a pastor transition, some setbacks last year. We went through some crisis. We, have some pro- we had some major problems. We've been moving past those things. Can someone say praise God? And as we're moving forward, the, the bank that holds these notes had a merger. Are you still with me? This merger has been looking at all of their notes and has come to us and has, without us initiating it, has come to us and said, we want to satisfy a large portion of your debt. And we said, okay, talk to us. And come on, baby, let's tell what you got to say. They said, if you can come up with an X amount of money, we will satisfy the debt on the, on the old auditorium, which is two and a half million dollars, which is a lot of money a month, by the way. And okay, we said, well, what's that figure? They said, one million dollars. If you could give us $1 million, we will satisfy the rest of the remaining one and a half, putting our entire debt in our church somewhere in the seven millions. Is this scaring you? You still with me? You should be the pastor. I'll let that scare you to death. Are you still with me? So the thing is, at the end of the day, with all the things that has transpired all in a row, the bank wants to position us in a more stable position. Now listen to me. People are probably thinking, I've never had the bank do that to me. How many of you want the bank to do that for you? Come on, in the name of Jesus, let it come all over every one of us. Cancel that deck. Glory to God. Now hear me. (laughs) There are a multiple plethora of reasons why they would present this to us. And that is something that we've called all around the nation. We've met, obviously, as trustees. They've met and looked at the finances like they do. We've presented it to families and presented it to people and presented it to my oversight and presented it to pastors. And every pastor unanimous across the country could say this, or all have said in essence, that is a miracle. And so I want to tell you something. There's a deadline. June 30th, we need $1 million dollars. Now, I want you to listen to me. All of a sudden, I felt the panic in the room. Hear me. I got good news. We've already paid half of it. Half of it's done. Here's what I believe Scripture teaches. Old Testament and New Testament. God gives a vision and something for the man or woman of God of that house and brings it to the people and says, God has given us an opportunity. You see it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I'm not in the business of doing, I'm not selling miracle oil up there today. I'm not, God, I don't have like miracle water for $100. I'll pray, I'll prophesy to you, none of that. We ain't got no gimmicks. Here's what I need you to do. All I want you to do, church, is I want you to pray and I want you to obey God. That's it. You pray what God wants you to give because we're gonna pay that note off in Jesus' name. I said we're gonna pay that note off in Jesus' name. 
Because hear me, the miracle was in the water. And what he did was call all the partners. Did you see it? He called everybody together, said, everybody get a net. We got to pull this baby in. This miracle's too big for Pastor Ethan to pull in himself. This miracle's too big for trustees and, and staff and, and, and overseers to pull in themselves. We are going to all have to come together. And if we will throw the net, he will fill it with fish. He's going to fill it with fish. So hear me today. There's a miracle in that water. And here, this is so profound. And I have, I'm done. I'm so done. I was done 10 minutes ago. But you need to hear me right now. A year ago, people probably put a period at the end of this sentence. We've toiled all night. We built that big building. Now we got all this debt. Now we have this problem. Now, I'm, a very, I'm almost too honest in this pulpit, and I get scared I say too much. But let me just tell you, because you all think it, you all know it, you've all read it. Let's just be real. People put a period at the end of Vibrant Church's sentence. But God said, no, 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 no. There's a group of people. No, no, no. There's a group of people that says, at your word, if you'll throw out the net, if you'll try one more time, if you'll charge the hill, if you'll have faith, we can see a miracle because the best days are still ahead. Lives can still be changed. Hearts can still be transformed. Teenagers can come off of drugs. Moms and dads can come together. It can happen here. And the days of old will never compare to the days ahead because the glory of the latter house let me preach like I'm a Pentecostal. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former. We're thankful for where we've been, but it ain't nothing like where we're going. We're not going in the town. We're casting out the net. There's somebody's daughter getting sick, and I'll keep casting. I think I got a crazy church that's wild enough to cast. I think I got a crazy church that's just crazy in Columbus, Mississippi, where the equator runs down 45. So hot here. Jesus, help me, God. My son walked out the other day. He said, Dad, I hate the sun. I said, me too. Me too. What if God looked in his sovereign plan and said, listen, no, 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 no. If I gotta send a crazy Yankee down there, if I just gotta get this thing to a core group, if I just gotta shake some things up, because he loved, for God so loved Columbus, Mississippi, for God so loved, God so loved Vernon, Alabama, for God so loved Nigeria, for God so loved this region, that he said, I, I'm not gonna let the, what the devil thought he was gonna mess us up with. God said, you know what, let me show you something. Let me wipe two and a half million dollars off and show my people I'm dropping clues and I'm still a miracle worker. I'm still with them, I'm still for them. I got my hand on them, if you believe it. Give God a big praise. Can I pray with you today? you're in the room and you've wanted to quit and you've wanted to throw in the towel 
you've been so discouraged and so heavy and so broken and so where do I go from here? And you've lived with empty nets for so long. I just want to encourage you today, don't you dare quit. Your life is worth living, don't you dare quit. That marriage is worth fighting for, don't you dare quit. This church is worth fighting for, don't you dare quit. Your life is worth fighting for, your faith is worth fighting for, your family is worth fighting for, because in due season, you will reap. Not maybe, not kinda, you will reap. If you just don't quit, if you just don't quit, if you just don't quit, come on, I'm, I'm trying to stir your faith. Don't you dare quit, mom. Don't you dare quit, son. Don't you dare quit. Come on, if you believe it today, maybe you want to put your hands in the air. Maybe you want to put your hands out. I just want to pray for you right now that you won't quit. Come on. Father, I pray over every individual in this room that they don't quit. That they don't give up. That they won't be discouraged. God, I pray you just pour something into them and refill them and refuel them. I see James Allen back there. I pray just a refilling, just fresh water being poured into his system. It can feel down sometimes. God says, I'm the glory and the lifter up of your head, James. I've never given up on you. I've never left you. Though you can make your bed in hell, he says, I'm right there with you. I've not left you. I got my hand on you. Come on, I feel the Holy Spirit in the room right now. God, I pray a vicious spirit, a hard spirit, a fighting spirit that won't quit throwing in the quit throwing in the net. In the name of Jesus. And God, I pray for vibrant church. I believe you. We're gonna see five hundred thousand dollars in the next in the next like four or five weeks. We're gonna see it come to pass, and we're gonna tell our kids about this. And said, you know what? I was there when the devil thought he tried to close the doors. God kicked him open again and said, I'm gonna wipe some debt and I'm gonna fill some nets. Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. Here's, a, here's the next thing I want you to do. We're getting ready to leave. Pastor Josiah's coming. In June, I believe it's June, I, I can't remember the date offhand. June 12th. June 12th, if you look at the screen, we're doing a thing called a forward offering. We call it forward because we're moving forward. I said we're moving forward. All I want you to do is pray. June the 12th. I would love for you to begin to seek God. Hear from Him. Because if I just tell you what to give, I've heard people say, I need 50 people to give $100,000. If I tell you what to give, you don't know how to hear from God. Go home. Talk to your wife. Budget well. Hear from God. And let's give the devil the biggest black guy he's ever had in Columbus, Mississippi. Can I get an amen? I said, can I get a big amen? Church, I love you. Are you thankful for the presence of God today?